The following program is brought to you by Podcast One Sportsnet. Don't forget to download our new Podcast One app. January 13th edition of the PFF Forecast. We're going to quickly talk about each of the divisional round games and then move on to the best day in sports, Championship Sunday. Let's rock. Congratulations, your Chiefs won. How are you feeling about it? Feeling pretty good. I mean, they still have some work to do here. Like I said, you know, going into the weekend, there's seven games left in the NFL season. The Chiefs get to be a part of three of them. So, uh, you know, now there's three games left. They get to be a part of two. So I just like that ratio going up every week. (laughs) That type of belief is not going to backfire whatsoever, especially playing against Tom Brady. There's no way that'll backfire. Let's start with, uh, let's do this. We'll spend about three to five, three minutes. Five is too many. Three minutes on each of the games. Talk about a couple of things that stood out. And then let's try and spend the bulk of the time on the divisional, or sorry, the championship matchups that we have been asking for for a while. Frankly, that we deserve for all that we've been through as football fans over the past however many months. Kansas City Indy was the first game. Let me just say this. It was a crying shame that that game didn't start three hours earlier because there was a pretty steady snow all night long, about four and a half inches when I woke up, probably got to about eight inches by the time uh, leaving for the stadium. And it would have been it would have been tremendous. I don't think the result would have been any different, but man, it would have been just so fun to see that game played in snow. It's a bummer. You know, at the same time, though, our like what our lock of the week was the Chiefs team total. And uh, the and when it when I saw like the reports, I remember messaging you early that day saying R.I.P. the team total. Uh, and, you know, so I liked the fact that we got those two hours. I don't think uh, for the I don't Chiefs think that would have changed. That yeah, I don't think that would have changed much, to be honest with you, because the story for me in this game was everyone believing that the. Well, first off, the, the line was at six, and then right before the game, it moved down pretty quickly. And so the Chiefs became a no-brainer of a bet at five and four and a half. And, to and me, four. And, and all the way down to four, that's right. Um, and to me, the whole story here was people overvaluing the, the Colts' defense, thinking that this zone defense that they played, basically either cover three or cover two every single snap, was going to somehow fool Mahomes, you know, a lot of talk about it, the disguises and stuff. The idea that Mahomes struggled versus zone, which is a complete misnomer. That was an Andy Reid clinic. As good as Mahomes was on a couple of really incredible throws, got 85% of his passing yards came from inside the pocket. Vast majority on throws, 2.5 seconds or less. Didn't complete a single throw more than 20 yards downfield. That was as good as Mahomes is. That was Andy Reid on display, and I had no doubt that Andy Reid would be able to figure out the Colts' defense. That was not a question mark in my mind. It was surprising to me that it was a runaway route, but I don't know. Did it surprise you that the Chiefs' defense played that well, or have you been expecting this forever? No, not expecting this forever. We did mention that they were a better team at home defensively 
uh, all season. I think it's like ten points a game. Yes, yeah, fewer at, at home. Huge. Um, but but their their opponents at home, other than the Chargers, were nothing really to you know write home about. Uh, I think what we said about the Colts, you know, schedule differential was a thing. Um, I also think what's important is two things about the Chiefs' defense. Um, one is that their pass rush is legitimately good. Uh, you know, uh, D. Ford, I almost said Tom Bahali. D. Ford, Chris Jones, and and Justin Houston are very good. They capitalize. They finish on on pressure really well to the degree that matters. And I think what really changed, and you saw this a few times, Hilton was was banged up, but yep. uh, Chavarius Ward, who the Chiefs, you know, basically traded for at the beginning of the season, he sat the bench all the way until the Seattle game. Had some good coverage in the Seattle game, but you know Doug Baldwin still made those catches. I think he was a big upgrade over Orlando Skandrick. And if you if he can be average, then you put him with Steven Nelson and Kendall Fuller, who aren't a complete embarrassment, and that and you can convince yourself that that defense is going to be okay. And I think that that's you know kind of what came together. It will be interesting to see if Bill Belichick uh, will sort of reverse all of those uh, narratives uh, next weekend. T.Y. Hilton being injured. To me, was the the reason the Colts sucked so much. the The pass rush was good, and I think a pass if the pass rush is your number one asset, being at home, particularly at Arrowhead, where their home field advantage is not trivial by any stretch of the imagination. Yeah. It is as real a home field advantage as you will find. Your pass rush, if that is what you depend on, it can be really helped by that home field because. The, the noise in the stadium is going to impact the offensive line, right? It is going to help your pass rush more. And when you rely on that so exclusively, I think I, I think maybe being at home helping their defense isn't as big of a fluke as it might sound at the offset. I don't think it's nearly as big of a deal as people are making it up to be. Luck was under pressure 12 of 41 times. By and large, the reason that they struggled was not that he was under constant pressure, but that no one was open. If someone was going to be open, Andrew Luck was going to find him. He had an 85 passer rating, 6.3 yards per attempt from a clean pocket. So to me, that was the story. They didn't have T.Y. Hilton to to open things up. Um, All right, let's move on to the next game here. Uh, The night game, which was, uh, it was good. Cowboys at Rams. I guess it ended. I mean, it would have been nice if it was a point different, but yeah, let's, I let's guess go with it, nice. I guess it ended as expected, right? So the Rams were favored by seven pretty much all week long. That held. We, uh, Our algorithm had the Rams being a, a good pick at seven. And Jason Garrett decided that uh, whenever possible, um, don't cover, I guess, or push, because... That was an inexplicably dumb decision not to go for two. A lot of people arguing about it on Twitter. Um, I don't know. Isn't that what you expected, though? That, that's what you expect. Well, from I, the Cowboys. thing is, is I don't. I don't think I can remember a team down fifteen that actually went for two on the first touchdown. Um, and so I don't think it's like uh, it's obviously unconventional to do it, but it's the right thing to do. Clearly, given that you generate all the information about what you need subsequent to that touchdown. And what I think is important, and I, and I think that this is what, you know, sports betting being a little bit more uh, in, you know, uh, in the popular realm gets us is like, people are like, wait a sec, could the, could the, the Cowboys cover the spread here? Would they be able to get a push? Would they be able to cover seven and a half? And the, the gears start turning in people's head. And they're like, wait a sec, should they really go for two here? No one ever does. But then they do work the math out and it ends up being, uh, you know, the right play. 
And and that's what I think, even though I think, you know, sports betting might have some negative impacts on the game. I think it makes us think more about the numbers. And in this case, probably gets a, a more intelligent discourse about the game. It's a the argument against it is the idea that you kill your momentum if you don't get it, which is, you know, a, for anyone that's played a sport before, like you can you can understand that thought process, right? Because it, you don't want to have it, you want to continue feeling good about yourself going forward. The problem with that is that if you cannot explain to your team the necessity of going for two on that play and why it makes sense and gives you the best chance to win, then you really don't deserve to be a head coach in the NFL anyway. That That's the issue, right? It's not that, like, if your momentum is killed by not getting that two-point conversion and you give up... Your after, culture is just not good enough. Exactly. Like, yes, it hurts your chances greatly if you don't get that two-point conversion. The difference is that if you don't get it early on, it hurts your chances greatly... But if you don't get the two-point conversion at the end of the game, it doesn't just hurt your chances. It kills your chances. You lose the game. So you'd rather still have a glimmer of hope of winning the game if you don't get the two-point conversion, which um, you know obviously helps you out a little bit in terms of your chances of winning overall. But he didn't go for it. The story of this game, in your mind, was what? The story of this game uh, was that the Dallas Cowboys – did not did not care about the Rams running game and and in times when it was in times when it was necessary for them to stop the pass in long yardage situations they could not yeah they struggled mightily off play action they could not defend the play action game CJ Anderson generational talent he had uh, 123 yards Todd Gurley had 115 uh, both of them played very well here's my favorite stat though C.J. Anderson, who I want to say weighs a solid 100 pounds more than Todd Gurley, uh, forced one more missed tackle than mm. Todd Gurley did in this game. So, um, but you know, we yeah. were talking in the we were talking in the in the chat, you know, uh, you know, the PFF chat earlier, and and something like I was, you know, I was basically like, you know, if you're Dallas, like you use your athletic linebackers, and I think we even wrote this up uh, in the write-ups piece. If you you use your athletic linebackers and you ignore the run game and you know and you just trust them to make plays you know two three yards downfield as opposed to to selling out and trying to get the you know the tackle behind the line of scrimmage. And if you look at you know the, the the Rams didn't pass the ball terribly well the other night. However, on a per pay, per play basis, I believe they had forty eight carries. They averaged five point seven yards per run play. So it wasn't exactly like, you know, they were, you know, you know, getting as much per pass. Jared Goff struggled mightily throwing the ball, in my opinion, and he still averaged more yards, basically, you know, more yards per pass play, uh, you know, than, uh, you know, than they did per run play. So, you know, this idea that this is a feather in the cap for running football and all this kind of stuff. No, I think Dallas executed a game plan, you know, that I or had a game plan that I thought was sharp, which is let the Rams run. And what they couldn't do, and you saw it at the very last drive of the game, what they couldn't do is get off the field uh, once they forced third downs. They couldn't do that. And then Dak wasn't sharp. So, you know, you need your quarterback to, you know, to play well. And there was a lulls during that game where Dak simply could not, could not play. Yeah, I think that's the story. What's interesting is that the Cowboys will probably extend Jason Garrett, Dak Prescott, 
and Amari Cooper because of this run. So may God bless when they you. went eight and three and were outscored by eight points. May God bless you. Okay, next game, the morning game. Uh, this morning was a complete and utter disaster for the LA Chargers, which is funny because the LA Chargers and the Colts were both very trendy picks, both playing on the road in the early game. The Chargers just had no shot whatsoever. But what surprised me most about this game was that the Chargers, that, that the Patriots manufactured pressure like I have never seen them do it before. They did so without blitzing. They pressured uh, Philip Rivers on 29 of his 53 dropbacks. I mean, they were just continually in the face of Philip Rivers. And on the other side, their offensive line was absolutely impenetrable. Trent <laughs> Trent Brown looked, uh, you know, like like Tyron Smith in his prime. It was ridiculous. And that to me was the real story. Everyone knows Tom Brady's good when he's kept clean. So I, I don't know. I don't know if it's something that they have figured out over the bye or if it's just a result of a team coming in and playing early. I mean, this, we talked about this, I think on every single podcast for like the last like two or three weeks, this is like classic Brady Belichick, right? Even in a season they're 11 and five, they struggled on the road. They don't look strong. Brady doesn't look healthy. The defense Looks like it has holes. They get the first round by somehow by the grace of God. They play a team in the in the divisional round, and it seemingly doesn't matter who it is. It can be the Andrew Luck Colts. Uh, you know, it can be uh, you know the Pittsburgh Steelers. It doesn't really matter who they are. Patriots end up not only winning these games but covering them, and that's exactly what you saw here. The score being a hilarious uh, proxy for how the game actually went, being you know forty one twenty eight. The thing that I found was interesting is is they went back to some of the things that they were successful with in previous generations. Julian Edelman, 13 targets, 151 yards through the air. James White, 17 targets, the MVP of the league, over almost 115 yards after the catch. So those two guys, they mixed in. You know, Sony Michelle was fairly efficient on the ground. Uh, so they they did a lot of things that I thought, you know, uh, you know, were you know sort of traditional Patriots there. It'll be interesting to see if these things carry to Kansas City, though. The game plan for the Patriots was very similar. The passing game plan was very similar to what I think I think you come to expect from Brady, his sharp apex, which is being able to figure out where to get the ball quickly and just be so efficient doing so. 44 attempts, 37 of them less than 10 yards down the field, 10 yards or less down the field. Um, and he was just ungodly accurate. And then guys were making plays after the catch. Of course, James White was incredible. Julian Edelman, as you mentioned, the guy that we expected to not show up, who has not really shown up all season, didn't show up, and that was Gronk. Uh, just one target all game. And I think it came when they were up 35-7. So, you know, go figure. Uh, it'll be really interesting to see what they do against Kansas City. I don't I don't necessarily know if that changes at all, if their game plan changes at all, because, um, you know, similar to the Chargers, you'd figure they're going to have a strong pass rush and they want to get the ball out quickly and can take advantage of winning against those cornerbacks. Gronk, Gronk absolutely dominated in the run game. Uh, you know, he had a very good grade uh, there. So it, to the degree that that matters, he contributed in that way. But you're right. It, his catch was like sort of this just like down the seam classic Gronk play when the game was basically over, much like the uh, Antonio Gates, uh, you know, corner pass to like on the last touchdown of the game. So, um, you know, I think, you know, what we saw with Kansas City in the, you know, the first matchup with the 
with the Chiefs. They took advantage of, of Anthony Hitchens, who is still the Chiefs middle linebacker. Uh, you saw the blueprint for that today. Run the ball with Michelle, throw the ball to White. Uh, I, I still think that that's the Chiefs' biggest problem. Um, one of the one of the the things that they won't get though, t- you know, next weekend is they won't have uh, you know Justin Houston out the way that they did in the first matchup. And I know Breland Speaks got like a sack, but he it took him like sixty pass rushes to do it. So uh, you know that'll be the difference I think in terms of for the Chiefs versus the Patriots when they match up next week. You mentioned Kronkowski run blocking well that's what you'd expect from a starting right tackle so good good job by it's him important. point it, of attack it is important. important um sony michelle also had an incredible game and it doesn't matter we'll move on to the evening game this one was actually really compelling right the eagles jump out 14 nothing lead they of course were eight and a half point underdogs by the time the game started this was a huge game for me because we have had our uh, competition. We are on the same side of all the first three games. Uh, went two and one there, and then I had the the Eagles here plus eight and a half. You had them. Uh, you had the Saints, and of course, it comes down to this Will Lutz field goal attempt, which uh, thankfully got extended a few yards because of a run play that was called on third and eight. I was so positive they were going to throw the ball. They had just picked up a third and sixteen, like it was you know taking candy from a baby. And they, I mean, Michael Thomas could not be stopped all game. I did not understand that play whatsoever. But the Eagles, in my opinion, deserve to cover this game. Their defense really played their butts off. If it hadn't been for Alshon Jeffrey, if it hadn't been for Nelson Aguilar just not getting his head around, man, they, they really have a good shot to win that game. Yeah, and, and we were sweating because, you know, the Saints were a team our simulation liked all year. We had them, you know, pretty high in terms of probability to win the Super Bowl, as many did, and uh, it was it might have been a situation where they weren't even, you know, going to get the title game. So um, ultimately, they got the they got the win there. The thing that's interesting: so Michael Thomas dominated this game. He took 16 targets, 171 yards, touchdown. The thing that I think, if you look at this from a process standpoint, the Saints got Ted Ginn back recently. And he kind of like worked his way into the in the um, Steelers game. They didn't have Ted Ginn in the first matchup with the Rams, and I think that you know they tried him a lot today. He had some success. There were some plays that I think you know if Breeze gets the ball out there on the first play of the game, I don't think it's intercepted. You know, there are a couple other. There was that corner route in the end zone. I think Ted Ginn adds adds a dimension to this offense that they've been missing during this sort of like lull stage in the season, um, and and shouldn't probably be ignored as we look ahead to the the Rams game. Well, let's do that. First game on Championship Sunday is going to be Rams at Saints. Both of these games are rematches of phenomenal games during the regular season. I think you could make the argument that they were two of the best. I know people want to put the Rams Chiefs in there, but honestly, you could say either one of these games were uh, the best of the regular season. I mean, the the Patriots Chiefs game and the Rams Saints game were both fantastic in that game. The Saints got out to a really big lead really quickly. And the Rams, what was interesting, I still remember this vividly because I watched that game probably three or four times we over. Had, we had a pick on it. So, of course, you and I were sweating the thing out. Sweating the crap out of it. But we had the Saints, and we were really, you know, obviously pumped in about the first half. But you always, you never feel safe uh, playing the Rams. And there were a couple plays in that game that probably should have gone the other way um, that didn't. There was the... Uh, 
was it the fake field goal or fake punt? I yep. forget which that was one a it bad was. Call by the officials. Terrible call by the officials. It was it, it was in uh, you know Saints territory, deep in Saints territory. It should have been given to the to the the Rams there, and that really, I mean, you know, made it a very hard uh, deficit to surmount. And then that pick by Anzalone, I mean, it was a bad throw by Goff, obviously, but that was a remarkable catch. I mean, you're just not going to see that catch made very often. And then the second half, the Rams come storming back. You know, either one of those plays goes differently. They've got, you know, a very good shot at winning that game. So to me, this is a pretty darn even game. I think the simple fact that the Rams troubles down the stretch are probably more magnified because of the losses um, than are some of the Saints struggles, which, you know, maybe I think it get glossed over a little bit um, are the reason that the Saints are three and a half point favorites um, in New Orleans. What do you think? Yeah, because they were, I mean, this was one where it was kind of bouncing around zero, but I think the Rams opened as a point-and-a-half favorite. Saints got out to maybe a point-and-a-half favorite, and then, like, I think late money came in on the on the Rams to push it sort of back out to the Rams being favorite, uh, you know, at, at kickoff, and then the Saints ended up winning by 10. Now the Saints are sort of clearly favored in this game by more than the field goal, probably equal to the home field advantage, uh, you know, given to a team there. So that's pretty telling. Um, you're right. I think the Rams we've seen. So the issues with the Rams, we've seen them happen on the national stage, Sunday night football in Chicago. We saw them not play well offensively, um, Sunday night against Philadelphia at home. We saw Jared Goff play poorly. We saw the defense play poorly against Nick Foles, the saints. They had that sort of hiccup uh, on Thursday night against the Cowboys, but that's a while back and they've won most of their games since then. So that's kind of why we're sort of ignoring that. Um, and, and I agree with you. So both these teams have faults. Both of these teams have some guys coming back from injury. Troy Hill was a starting corner for the Rams in the first matchup. Now it's back to Aqib Tlaib, I believe. Uh, if he's healthy, as we, we talked about, Ted Ginn is the number two receiver now for the, for the Saints back again. He was out in the previous matchup. So there, there are all kinds of, you know, there are all kinds of interesting intricacies that are different with this one. So uh, I think it'll be really compelling. I think we'll probably be on the side of the Saints, though, yeah? Yes, I I would say that's probably I, I do think that's probably the smart side right now. I think if you were going to bet the game right now, it, it it pains me to say that because I do think there are some I think there are some really tangible ways that the Rams will be able to take advantage of the Saints. The first way is that I think Aaron Donald should eat you know Anders Pete alive. Um, I would assume that's where they're going to try and single him up, try and have, you know, Sue kind of eat up the other guys. But we'll see what the Saints try and do there because, look, I mean, Fletcher Cox, when he was in the game, was pretty darn dominant. You'd expect Aaron Donald to be able to do the same thing. And then on the other side of the ball, P.J. Williams, there, there are some weaknesses in that secondary. The fact that the Rams, if the Rams had Cooper Cup, to me, I think that would maybe be the difference here. For sure. I'm just not sure, as great as Sean McVay is, I'm not sure he has the players that can execute well enough to take advantage of some of those mismatches that they'll find. I think that's why the Saints are favored. But, man, it, it, it is this one is really tough because I, I do think the Rams are still a really solid team. But, yeah, the numbers would, I think, back up that three and a half, well, probably a little short. Here's a good question because I think it's because the the cup actually I remember cup racing down the left sideline for the game tying touchdown now and 
you know, it's, he's been out for so long that I forgot he was in that game. Um, if you look at the balance of the offensive talent that the Rams have, aside from the offensive line, which I think is decidedly better, the skill position players for the Rams are what compared to the Eagles? Well, C.J. Anderson adds, obviously, another dimension uh, that you have to consider. Interesting. They're worse. I don't think they're that much worse, though. So Kamara's obviously unmatched, uh, you know, in terms of talent. No, no, I mean I, I mean the Eagle, Eagles. So the team that the Saints oh, just played. I, I mean, the Rams' uh, skill position players are better than the Eagles. By considerably? Yeah. Okay, because when I look at it, I see – because I'm just looking uh, okay. at the Saints. The tight ends. Yeah. The tight ends are significantly better, the, but they, and they play them more. But even if you just reduce down to 11 personnel and you just you took Goddard off the field and replaced him with uh, Golden Tate, Jeffrey is a, is a, is a good bit. They don't have that deep threat that Brandon Cooks you know, is, and Robert take, Woods is probably Robert Woods sig- and Brandon significantly Cooks. better than Nelson Aguilar. I'm just wondering, on the balance – did the Saints just play a pretty good game again? And then the quarterback position, I mean, I think Goff's better than Foles, but I don't think it's a landslide. Yeah, that's tough. I'm going to go with the Rams. Uh, okay. Skill position guys over the, but it, the Eagles for sure. It makes you sure. think, though, right? makes you think about what the Saints just did. Granted, we, we don't look at that win that they just had today as super, as super um, you know, uh, impressive but defensively two touchdowns against an Eagles offense that I think is nothing to scoff at uh you know might bode well for them especially as you said the Rams are a little weakened here by the loss of cup so I think if cup's in it's a no-brainer I yeah I think you're giving too much credit to it's it's so hard they're on a bye you know they're coming off a bye they're well rested what did we see each team that came off a bye do right They, they were really impressive so to me that the fact that the saints were less impressive yeah the eagles were not that much better than than any of the other teams that um, were playing today that were underdogs so or yesterday um so i don't know this one's really hard for me because the number is i think pretty clear i think we're going to be on the side of the saints look at numbers on the side of the saints and i've been a rams backer this whole time i you know i just thought they were so close to winning that game in new orleans so we'll see. Is there a matchup that hasn't been mentioned yet that you think will be a deciding factor, one of the deciding factors in this game? I mean, I think the coaches, right? I mean, because it seems like uh, from the way that I – and I'm not a really big X's and O's guy. From the way that I see it, I think Sean McVay does a few things extremely well. And Sean, and Sean Payton tries to do 100 things decently well and beat you with deception. And sometimes I think over the course of the last few months, Sean Payton's gotten in up over his skis a little bit with the Taysom Hill stuff and the mixing in Mark Ingram when Kamara is like the most talented running back in the NFL. Offensive line play is not nearly as good as the as the Rams. So I look at that and I think like I think the team that wins this game is going to be the team for which the coach makes the most right decisions. And we and of course this is hard to untangle but the coach that makes the most play for play uh you know game planning type of like play calling sort of like whoever has that edge i think is going to be the team that wins this game there's a lot of chatter about how ballsy sean mcveigh is all of this stuff um 
I think maybe we should get into this more a little bit on our Thursday podcast about the fourth down decisions league-wide and all that stuff. There's some interesting things to talk about. But in that game, there were two play. You know, the Jason Garrett play, I think, overshadows McVay not going for it on a fourth down where he clearly should have. And the fact that he went for it earlier in the game and people were losing their mind about that. I mean, you will not find a bigger fan of what Sean McVay has done than me and probably you too, right? But um, that gives me a little pause because I don't like to see that. I don't think Sean Payton, uh, you know, I'm talking about the guy that just ran it on third and eight, but I don't think Sean Payton, you know, doesn't go for it there. So I don't know. That that would worry me a little bit, I guess. Yeah, I I don't know. It's it's sort of blunt, but I think Payton probably call probably makes in game decisions better than McVay. And McVeigh calls plays slightly better. Would that be? Because I mean, he's not dealing with as good of a quarterback. Yeah, that, that's there's that as well. There is a big. I think that it took us this long maybe to get to the main point, which is Drew Brees is a significantly better quarterback than Jared Goff. I love Jared Goff. I think I really want Jared Goff to. I think bury the hatchet of the Jeff Fisher stuff because to me that is still in his head and that's I think a big part of why he's a you know struggles when things aren't perfect in the pocket. Um, but I, I, it would be great to see him kind of get over that because I think he could be um, you know one of the top tier quarterbacks if he figures that out. As of now, there's no doubt about it. Drew Brees is a better quarterback. He's playing at home, three and a half. They're probably the right side there. New England at KC, this is the game that I'm more excited for personally because it is such – It is the coaching matchup in the first game is good, but this coaching matchup is as great as you can have. Two guys – I'm glad that we're getting our third commentator in here, by the way. Yeah, sorry. It's important. She has good things to say, and they she, she She generally roots against the team – that uh, that I'm rooting for. That's so why she's a if, champion. If you're gonna fade our picks, know that at least my daughter's happy. PFF underscore Chloe is uh, yeah. one that you want to follow. But Belichick versus Reed it, could could it be a better matchup? And is anyone is there anyone out there that is not rooting for Andy Reed? Because I, I, want, I want to find that person. This is gonna be great. Yeah, I mean, I think that we've we've been on the we've been on the train that uh, that Andy Reid has been one of the more underrated minds uh, in the NFL. Every single iteration of our coaching metric that we've done is pointed towards him being, you know, sort of one of the best. I think he's gotten a bad rap over times about his clock management and everything, but uh, I do think that he is very much maybe not Belichick's equal here, um, but somebody who can go toe to toe with what has been one of the best pairs of all time and. What's what really has highlighted how good Reed's been this season is the fact that he is now a, a pair with uh, with Pat Mahomes, who is just terrific. As we mentioned, that game against the Colts was really a mastery of being patient, scheming open, quick throws. Travis Kelsey was phenomenal, as we thought he would. Darius Leonard has been great this season, but he's really struggled covering tight ends. That's kind of been their weak point. He continuously found you know wide open spaces, a lot of yak. The whole team was just great gaining yards after the catch, and that's a testament to what, what Reed has done. Looking back to that game against the Patriots, though, 
they won with some deep throws, right? Four different completions, 20-plus yards downfield, nearly 200 yards on those four completions, three touchdowns. So you would figure that the Pats come in with a slightly different game plan and they're going to try and you know shut some of those down. Or do you think they just say, no, we're going to make you beat us with these big plays because we think we'll get some you know, interceptable opportunities as well, and that's what we really want? Yeah, it was sort of remarkable that, that Pat Mahomes did not complete one pass over 20 yards against the Colts uh, in the air. We saw you know, for the brief moment that the Chargers were in the game uh, you know, on Sunday, uh, you know, the big play that, the, that they made was the deep ball to Keenan Allen. Uh, you know, they had the deep ball to Mike Williams where he dropped it. So I do think, you know, and when we saw the Patriots give up the big lead to Kansas City in week five or six, it was because Tyreek Hill had gotten deep on them and, you know, Kareem Hunt got deep on them. You know, Travis Kelsey did. He didn't connect on all those. But I I think that that really is the sort of thing that's lethal about Kansas City's offense is that when you take certain things away, now they got Sammy Watkins who can cross the field and make plays after the catch. You know, they have, they've always had Travis Kelsey who, you know, is very good after the catch, but also good down the field with his athleticism. And when you start to creep up and, 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 you know, play with those guys a little bit, then you have Tyreek Hill who can beat you over the top. And we saw the opportunities there. They just didn't connect on them. So, uh, you know, it's tough. I, it, I, I'm really interested to see how the the Patriots um, how the Patriots uh, sort of attack this because in the in the first game it looked like they just prayed for turnovers, which isn't the worst you know idea in the world, right? Because um, you figure it's going to be a high scoring game no matter what. Uh, in that game, Hill Kelsey were both just unstoppable. I mean, Tyreek Hill was running away from people left and right. And um, there was really nothing they could do after that slow start by Mahomes. They, they really couldn't stop him, particularly from a clean pocket. I mean, four touchdowns from a clean pocket, 136 passer rating. Um, so, I, I don't know. It, it, it seems to me like there's a good chance Mahomes has gotten out some of those. I'm facing the Patriots jitters, playing at home. So the line is three. The Chiefs are favored by three. Which side do you think is smart? Yeah, so if you just go on pure ELO, which we don't, we fold in quarterback stuff, which I think the Chiefs, weirdly in this case, will be favored. Uh, you know, we throw in some other things with injuries and so on and so forth. If you just use pure ELO, it's somewhere between two and a half and three. So, you know, the if you're inclined to think about the Patriots, you can sort of make a make a case there. I'm not exactly sure. Once we roll in, you know, the specific home field advantage for. Uh, you know, for the Chiefs at Arrowhead, the specific quarterback that they have in Pat Mahomes, all of those things, I think you might get it to creep out towards Kansas City. But this is probably a, another game where, you know, much like we did with the Chiefs-Colts game, we're going to be looking for some other angle uh, to give out as opposed to the actual spread or total for this game. So I think this line moves to two and a half. I just think Brady being an underdog after that kind of performance the market is going to jump all over that because as good as the Chiefs looked, it was an early game yesterday, and they were not. They took their foot off the gas. I mean, there was the Colts you, were a disaster. If you're just looking at the box score, it doesn't look as impressive necessarily than if you watch the whole Patriots game for sure. Exactly, and the you know they had the, the Colts had that block kick right. It, it, their offense was horrible. I mean, absolutely terrible. So. I think they're. I think this line moves two and a half, and I think the Chiefs 
are the smart play here at two and a half, if, if that's where it goes, because um, I, I just think this Chiefs team is much better than the Chiefs team that played the Patriots the last time. I think their pass rush is better. Importantly, I think their coverage is better. Um, you know, I mean, Hitchens was such a disaster in that game. Uh, Ron Parker was a disaster in that game. Uh, Josh Shaw was playing in that game. Breland yeah. Speaks was Orlando, playing in that Orlando game. Orlando Scandrick was – so they – They've replaced Orlando Scatterick with Traverius Ward. They've replaced Ron Parker with uh, Lucas. I can't remember his first name. John. Jordan, Jordan Lucas. John, John, um, Jordan. John Lucas yeah, Jordan is a former Lucas. NBA player. So. Yes. They replaced Breland Speaks, I listen, with uh, with Justin Houston, who's you know a legitimately great pass rusher and run defender. So I agree. The Chiefs, personnel-wise, I'm interested to see Eric Berry – the, you know, the question continues every single week. If he's healthy, he's clearly an upgrade over whomever he's playing uh, over. Uh, but I'm not optimistic that he'll play. But I agree with you. The Chiefs are a far better team. And the key thing that you said, and, and I've been saying this for weeks, and it's not analytical, and I'm willing to be made fun of for it because it is sort of narrative-driven. But you just said, and Pat Mahomes is not going to have the jitters anymore, Right. All of the statistics about quarterbacks playing their first playoff game and losing, you know, we saw that early last week. Um, you know, they seem not, they didn't seem to apply to him Saturday. Um, you know, they've lost, you know, they've already lost the Patriots. They know the ways they can lose to the Patriots, I think, um, because there were seemingly like five games within that one game. Um, that I agree with you. I think the Chiefs, you know, and, and not just because I want it to be true, but also but because I, you know, I, I think your points are valid. Thank you. Uh, it'll, the thing that Tom Brady did so well in that first game was just continuously attack the short and intermediate levels over the middle of the field. I mean, it was just ridiculous. It was like clockwork. Surgical. I think he had one incompletion uh, on those throws between the numbers less than 20 yards downfield, just continually picking up. Yeah, they were close to 200 yards after the catch in that game. So many on-point short throws. Um, I think that's what they'll have to do again because in Arrowhead, that place is going to be on fire. That pass rush is going to have, I think, some success, and uh, they're going to try and mitigate any success that they might have by throwing those short short throws. And to be honest, they don't have a ton of deep threats, right? Chris Hogan right. Josh is, Gordon is no longer playing for the Patriots, and he was a part of the last matchup. He drew a big pass interference call and on a deep pass. He... Not a trivial you know, person missing from that team. It, to me, if you just say, look, both these teams are great offensively. Which one is better? I just think the Chiefs are better. Um, and I love Tom Brady. I think he's great. But, man, I mean, it, Pat Mahomes is certainly Tom Brady's uh, playing as well as Tom Brady has played this season and better. And then you look at all the skill position players and you can't really make a case for the Patriots in that sense. No. Here, here's here's a question now because we've we've sort of shied away from totals because, you know, or at least like t- total game totals because I showed yeah, I showed you the graph the other day. There was you know the first ten weeks of the season totals were higher than we've ever seen in the PFF era, and then the last like six or seven weeks they've tanked below you know 2000 I think 12 or 13 levels right. So we're, we're clearly in like sort of a non-stationary stage. Of trying to model these things and that makes them difficult and sort of we've sort of erred on the side of you know uh, shying away from that uncertainty 
Rams Saints totals fifty seven. Patriots Chiefs total is fifty seven and a half. What what do you think in terms of those two numbers? <sighs> those are high. Um Right, they're they're unforeseen, right? Like we had that the total in the in the uh, Atlanta New England Super Bowl that was like sixty, right? Yep. But aside from that, we've had pretty sane numbers over the last you know two as long as we've known each other, right? And yet, like these numbers are just hung out here like they're nothing, you know. And it's it's strange to look at. Which so here's the question: They're both the same. Which game makes more sense to you, being higher scoring? Like if you had to pick which game was higher scoring, which one would you go with? Oh, I, I think I think it's easily Chiefs Patriots just because we've seen Ram Saints games over the last you know, we I just don't know if the I just don't know if we two, if we see two teams play they want the way they want to play it, Chiefs Patriots game might get to seventy. Um whereas there's a universe where the Saints like they did against the Eagles today will run a twelve minute drive. And even though they're efficient offensively, they completely tank the opportunity for an over. So I'm, I, I agree with you, and my thinking here is that I think the number of pass attempts in Chiefs-Patriots is going to be well, well above the number of pass attempts in, in Rams-Eagles. And it makes no sense. I, I don't know why that would be the case. I just have this feeling. I think, um, like you said, there, we're going to see some of these slowish drives. I think we might see some... Uh, I don't know. I, I just have so much faith in, in Chiefs Patriots being each each side playing to their full potential. Whereas with the Saints and the Rams, there are players in key positions that I think have a wide variance of where they could show up. Right. I, I think Drew Brees will be great, but we've seen Drew Brees be great and not score a ton of points before. Um and then on the Rams side, you've got a lot of question marks with their offensive line in pass protection. Not necessarily stopping the you know in in run blocking, but if their play action game is if they decide if the defense decides to just ignore the run, as they as the Bears and the Eagles did, we've seen that pass protection break down. You could see the Rams struggling offensively potentially. So I'm with you full stock. If I'm taking an over, it's going to be that Chiefs. Uh, Patriots game. Hopefully, there's a little snow in the forecast, so people shy <laughs> off that. And I think the under in in Rams Saints, as scary as that is, might be a decent play. I'll tell you what, though. For now, I'm laying the heck off of that one because that's terrifying. Interesting. The, you dis, you disagree the, with me? The, no, no. But but I I want to bring some the three worst teams in the NFL this season in yards per carry allowed. Rams five point one, Chiefs five point zero. Patriots 4.9. Well, you come all the way down to the second best team in the NFL in yards per carry allowed. It's Saints with 3.6. What I, my my hypothesis is that none of that will matter on Sunday. What a bold call! <laughs> what a bold <laughs> but call! How hilarious is it? Like that, th- that three of the four best teams in the NFL are the three worst teams in yards per carry allowed in the run game. Well, because they have three of the best passing attacks in the NFL, and that is actually what matters. Shockingly, um, 
those run totals are just very misleading. So much of it correlated with already winning the game first off. And then secondarily, success in the run game is the, the bar for success in the run game is just so low. It's so funny to me. Um, I was talking about it, you know, when talking about the Chiefs defense with our boss, Chris Collinsworth, and he was mentioning how it just seems like they don't even look like they're playing the the run. You know, they're just like, sometimes it just looks like they don't care. And it's amazing how a team sometimes can feel demoralized by a six-yard run against them. But like a but like a nine yard pass is like whatever where a cornerback gets up and flexes. Exactly. And that is and that is where coaching is so important. Right. Can you convince your players that yardage is actually what matters and these plays gain more yards than these plays? And, And I think that to a large extent, that's why the Chiefs have been able to make it this far with quite frankly, a deplorable defense in many respects. Um, and it won't matter it, because this game is going to come down to the offenses uh, and it should be great. So um, Chicago's net adjusted yards for pass play allowed was best in the NFL at 5.3. The aforementioned Rams run defense 5.1. So again, if you can make an, a, a, the other team run the ball every play, you're doing better than the best defense does if they make the other team pass the ball on every play. There you go. I think that's a fitting way to close this one up. We'll be back with you guys on Thursday. Of course, in the meantime, check out ProFootballFocus.com. Head to the PFF YouTube channel for some really great visuals and some so-so analysis. Uh, Eric, be safe, and I'll see you uh, in a couple of days. Peace out, guys. Bye.